Top 10 takeaways! And how can we not talk about James Conner and Tyler Huntley, our signature takes from the Starter Stream show? Fade James Conner! Fade James Conner! Start Tyler Huntley! Start Tyler Huntley! Ah! Right? We did it! That's my first observation, is Tyler Huntley is what NFL teams should be striving for later in the draft. We talked about how quarterback scouting jumped the shark when Kyle Shanahan talked himself out of Mac Jones. In the first round, if you have a Mac Jones or a Justin Herbert available to you, you push the button, you don't worry about it. Joe Burrow, same thing. But as soon as you flip over into the second round, and you could even apply this like the last pick in the first round, Lamar Jackson, two years ago, Jalen Hurts, and a Tyler Huntley goes completely and utterly undrafted, and it makes no sense. It makes no sense for you to draft some pocket passer, Matt Barkley, in the fourth round or the fifth round. The guy has no shot of ever being anything in the league. No shot. No shot. You draft some pocket passer like Jacob Eason because he has a big arm. Do you ever think it's going to happen? Is it possible? Not really, right? Whereas you have Tyler Huntley, who had an 80.5 college QBR at Utah, and he ran a 4.56 at his pro day. This is a player with a 111.4 Spark X score that can be inserted into games at any time because half the teams in this league lose their quarterback for a period of time in the season. You insert a Tyler Huntley, and he can win you a game or keep you in a game. And yesterday, he kept them in that game. I was following that game closely because I played a bunch of Tyler Huntley, including a Scott Fishbowl, because they let me have him. I had no money left. I hadn't picked him up to handcuff Lamar Jackson. And yet, with $0 in fab bidding, I was able to secure Tyler Huntley. So shame on my league mates. I got him. And he might save me. We'll see what happens. Unfortunately, I played Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper is the distant number three receiver for the Cowboys. And I believe it's possible that he's a long hauler. I think he might be the NFL's first long hauler skill position player. What other explanation is there? The correlation between when Amari Cooper caught COVID and his production before and after is undeniable. Well, there's two takeaways right there. We're on a roll. I think we're going to be fine. Show's going to be fine. (laughs) I was concerned. I was insecure about the show. We started late. I needed to plan more. I was like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of great sort of visceral experiences to share from Sunday. Everything was from Monday morning. Well, the one thing I had that happened to me on Sunday was arguing with my friend about who to start. I said, play Huntley. Play Huntley because I, I went over to his house on Saturday and he showed me his lineup. He pulled out his phone, showed me his lineup, and I was like, uh, okay, you can drop Teddy Bridgewater. And he's like, well, it's, it's super flex. I was like, yeah, drop Teddy Bridgewater, okay? You play fields, man. And he's like, okay. I was like, you don't need Bridgewater. Like, he, he could get benched. He's already been benched. Probably going to be benched again. Haven't we seen enough of Teddy Bridgewater? He's not going to make a difference for your team. He's not going to help you win a game against Cincinnati. Gross. Get him out of there. And I was like, you know, let's go to the waiver wire just to see what's on the waiver wire. I said, maybe Tyler Huntley's available. I got him for zero in the Scott Fishbowl. Sure enough, there's Tyler Huntley. So he picks up Tyler Huntley. And he's like, who do, who do I start? I'm going to start Cousins and Fields or Huntley. I'm like, ah, let me get back to you. So I sat down and really analyzed it. And I said, 
Tyler Huntley has huge uncertainty around him. Like, he could have just had a good game like Mike White had a good game, and then he turns back into a pumpkin. On the other hand, we know that Josh Fields is good. He, he was great at Ohio State, and he's been getting better, and the team has been incrementally unlocking his passing game ability, letting him throw more. So, probably Fields, right? And then I started thinking about Darnell Mooney and why I wanted to play Darnell Mooney this week. I said, I want to play Darnell Mooney this week. He's going to be the primary read all game for Justin Fields, and he can beat players deep. Justin Fields, what he can do is buy time in the pocket by scrambling outside the pocket, and that gives Darnell Mooney running a 4-3-8 time to run a double move, an out and up, a slant and go, stutter and go, post corner, and those are the big plays that can splash down in the box score and help your fantasy team, you want to play Darnell Mooney. I went on the Roster Watch show. I was like, you want to play Darnell Mooney this week? And then I started thinking about the fact that Darnell Mooney is all Josh Fields really has that we could even come close to getting excited about. And I'm like, if we're playing Jimmy Garoppolo because of George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, shouldn't we also be playing Tyler Huntley because he's like, Jimmy Garoppolo with wheels. He has a Marquise Brown, who's a lesser version of Brandon Ayuk. He has a Rashad Bateman, a lesser version of Debo Samuel. He has a Mark Andrews, slightly lesser version of George Kittle. Isn't that the play to chase the weapons and the mobility? Like if you're bringing weapons and mobility to the table, that's such a high bar when you're making a start-sit decision that it would take a lot to start anyone other than Tyler Huntley. And it just, it, it, I realized it. I called him. I said, I, I've come to a decision. It's very close. Our upside finder had Tyler Huntley a couple fantasy points higher, but it had jo Justin Fields. Did I say Josh Fields earlier? I've done this before. I've made this mistake before. I'm going to keep this in the show because I've made this mistake. Josh Fields is a reliever for Tampa. And you have to understand that I started as a fantasy baseball player before I did fantasy football. I've only been doing fantasy football for the last seven years. I've been doing fantasy baseball for like 20 years. And so Jay Fields is in my head as Josh Fields. It's hard programmed in there. It's hard to unprogram and call him Justin Fields. That's what it is. Justin Fields. So I told him, I said, listen, it's, uh, it's got to be Huntley. It's got to be Huntley. And uh, he said, I'll take it under advisement. I said, okay, you take it under. Yes, take it. Under, yes. <laughs> I'm not running your fantasy team. You're running your fantasy team. Take it under advisement. A shootout is more likely against Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of reasons why I prefer Huntley when all is said and done. He is the upside play and we chase upside and that's where you should go. Text me back Sunday afternoon. I started Fields. Damn it. <laughs> I was like, what? I went through all this trouble. I researched this. I considered it for many minutes. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that long. I conducted a multi-minute thought experiment. God damn it. To help your fantasy team. And you played Fields anyway? God damn it. But it's still a much better play than Teddy Bridgewater. It's, it's, it's so, I do get some level of joy from the random fantasy gamer that I end up 
coming into contact with in society, at a party, at some event, anywhere, and they give me their phone. I was at a bar mitzvah, gave me the phone, and at a bar mitzvah, we actually executed a trade in real time to diagnose the problem with the roster and then guess which players are available on the waiver wire. I have this skill where I can guess that Tyler Huntley's probably available. I can guess that running running back X is probably available. I can guess that wide receiver Y is probably available. How many teams in the league? What's the scoring? Okay, you can probably pick this guy up on waivers. I would do that instead. Pick up Huntley. That was the, that was the, the advice, and it was ignored. And now he's at 50-50 to win. He would have been a screaming favorite to win because no one knows whether they're going to win or not. Well, some people do, but most are still hoping, right? Fingers crossed. I am in a, a league with Nate Liss, and my productive struggle time horizon was, I, I, my goal was, this team's going to be competitive in 2022, not 2021. 16 teams, uh, super flex, very deep. I went zero RB, drafted no running backs at all, and then selected Javante Williams and Elijah Moore and Chuba Hubbard and Larry Roundtree in the rookie draft. Very deep, right? I just You want to be drafting running backs in your rookie draft. The ideal rookie draft is running back, wide receiver, running back, running back. In most rookie drafts, that's the safest, best cadence. If you go running back in the first round, whether it's you know Najee Harris or Javante Williams, then wide receiver in the second round, usually lots of great choices. Elijah Moore was a great choice this year. And then go back to running back and go back to running back again. Gainwell, Elijah Mitchell. I don't have Gainwell in this league, so that's, that's heartbreaking. But yeah, so... I was projected to lose by 40 points when I went to bed. I thought, not going to happen. This guy has Brady. This guy has Mike Evans. This guy has Gronkowski. I am an overcooked turkey. I'm done. It's over. Right? Just go to bed. This is one of the few leagues where I'm going to get bounced early because I'm not even supposed to be in the playoffs. These running backs hitting was serendipitous. But now I'm looking up this morning, I'm now the favorite. I'm now the favorite. This is unbelievable. I'm projected... Uh, no, it just changed. What did he do? He made a change. Oh, he changed... Oh, he inserted... What did he do? Some change. Oh, something changed. He took out a player. I don't know what happened. But there was a change to the lineup. I was projected to win, goddammit. Now I'm projected to lose. Now I'm a, a, only a 40% probability of winning. But I woke up this morning at 53% probability of winning. I promise, I guarantee, I, I swear, I swear. So we have a lot of guys to go here. We have Austin Hooper. He might get cleared. I have no other tight ends to play. I played Hooper over Jonu Smith in hopes that he might get cleared because no TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, Devontae Smith, Van Jefferson, Justin Fields. Let's go. Let's go. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like the sixth seed playing the one seed. If I knock this guy off in this league, this would be one of the great upsets in my career in Dynasty. And it would make me feel so good where you're not even trying to win. But I'm not trying to lose either. I'm still setting my lineup. 
I know that there are some dynasty leaguers that would go as far as tanking their lineups, and that's shameful. I'm going to try to win, and because I have a bunch of young players, probably won't. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. And if I can somehow knock off the number one seed, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. But nobody knows. That's the thing. This guy went to bed last night, or probably stayed up, thinking I'm a favorite. I, this is I. This is I have this this particular matchup locked in. No way, Brady and Evans and Gronk all dud out. No way that happens. And then I was woken up this morning by my daughter. My daughter came to my bedroom, shaking me like it was Christmas morning. Huge smile, beaming down at me. And she said, "Guess what? Guess what happened?" And I said, what? What happened? What? 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 The Buccaneers lost. And I was like, oh, wow. Great. Cool. She said, they got shut out. I said, they got shut out? What? No. She dad, they got shut out. I checked my iPad. They got shut out. Tom Brady got shut out. And then she cackled. She cackled with laughter. And that's at that moment I knew. I was like, okay, this is my daughter. This is my daughter. She holds such a grudge against Tom Brady for leaving the Patriots. I'm fine with it. I love Tom Brady. I appreciate all the joy that he brought me as a Patriots fan. I want to see a Patriots-Buccaneers Super Bowl for that reason. She has a completely different disposition. She fucking hates Tom Brady. She wants him to lose. She wants him to score zero points for the rest of his life. She is still, to this day, feels betrayed, and I try to... Big picture, had he stayed, we wouldn't have Mac Jones, right? The butterfly effect of Tom Brady leaving allowed us to get Mac Jones later on. We should be happy. He helped us. Don't you see? Don't you see? It just looks me in the eye and says, I don't care. <laughs> I don't like him. And I'm like, sports, right? You're a sports fan. Congratulations. Welcome to sports. This is it. You just hate him. You don't care why. Doesn't matter. He can't stand the guy. She, she just runs to her iPad when she wakes up as if it's Christmas morning, hoping the Buccaneers lost last night, and then they did, and she jumps for joy. Oh, I'm lucky, Dad. Oh, oh, boy. And I'm thinking, like, man, she could do a show. Like, she breaks down the standings. She knows team records better than I do like she knows who's gonna make the playoffs and then even better she studied like the New York Times probability of each team making the playoffs so she tells her classmates oh your favorite team is a 75% chance of making the playoffs and I'm like this is unbelievable kids would love to hear a kid break like for YouTube kids we could do a show with another kid. The problem is I can't find another kid that follows the NFL like she does. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, nature versus nurture, okay? I think we've solved the, the puzzle, right? Nature versus nurture. Why haven't I been talking to evolutionary biologists about this? They need to know what's going on here in Connecticut with this particular human being. We've solved it. It's nurture. It's what it is. How could you possibly think it's nature when I, when my daughter is just spewing football takes on Monday morning? 
her own top 10 takeaways. It's nurture. That's the answer. Scientists, we're happy to be interviewed. We're volunteering. We'll, we'll let you know. We've solved it. Humanity solved. What else happened? Anything else happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was jumping for joy on Sunday because the Lions won. She loves the Lions because they were at one point winless, and she just was empathizing with the players and the fans and wanted good things to happen to them because they were a lowly franchise. Now they're crushing the Cardinals. This was as mind-blowing to her as it was to me. The Cardinals were 13-point favorites on the road, and I said to her, what's the cardinal rule, pun intended, the cardinal rule of sports betting? She goes, you always bet home dogs, especially when it's 10-plus points. And I was like, thank you, yes. And you don't always bet the home dog. You sometimes bet the home dog. You certainly bet home dogs more than anyone else against the spread, and especially double-digit underdogs at home is a required bet. It's a principal bet. You have to know nothing. That's the one bet where you know nothing. You come in with no data, knowing absolutely nothing. A home team getting more than 10 points is always your first priority if you're betting a slate. Always and forever. And I've also taught her how to translate the lines so you can know who the better team is or who Vegas thinks the better team is. So we talk about the plus two and a half or minus two and a half lines, where if a home team is minus two and a half, they're actually not the better team. Vegas thinks the road team is a half point better than the home team. So we talk about these two teams are playing on the moon. If these two teams are playing on the moon, it would actually be the road team that would be favored by a half point. And when, whenever you see either two and a half or three and a half, Vegas has an agenda, right? Vegas has an agenda. They, 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 they want you to just assume that it's, it's going to be a three-point game and you might as well take you know, the team that uh, is at home. Right, you might as well take the home team, right? They, they they just have to cover three points. It's not a big deal, right? Might as well, it's three points, whatever. They they they're, they're probably going to win, and if they do win, it'll probably be by three points or more. So just take that team, you know? No, that's a trick. And th th minus three and a half, plus three and a half, same trick, right? Don't fall for it. Plus six and a half, minus six and a half. Same trick applies. Vegas is trying to get you to take that team that you think is going to obviously win by seven, right? Oh, they're going to win by seven. They're going to win by seven. Sure, they're going to win by seven. In fact, no problem. We'll set the line at six and a half. So you'll totally cover. Take them. Go ahead. Ah! These are the things we talk about. <laughs> and my wife is like, can we change the subject? Sports betting. The 10-year-old. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm the podfather. What do you expect? And she's like, ah, that's true. I guess that's okay. <laughs> I guess. I guess. These two teams playing on the moon. Go! Cardinals. Any given Sunday, I guess. Is that the takeaway with the Cardinals? Just any given Sunday, whatever. James Conner was the easiest fade ever. Remember what was going against James Conner, the headwind of unsustainable touchdown rate, 
new touch competition and a bad game environment compounded by the questionable tag where even if they got up big, right? So even if they got up big, they would probably shut him down. If they get down big, they'll shut him down. So the game has to stay in this very specific zone of competitiveness for James Conner to get optimized. And now he has to compete with a better all-around running back in Chase Edmonds, where his opportunity share with Chase Edmonds drops by 20%. So there's this incredible headwind working against James Conner in what looked like, it looked like a friendly matchup. Oh, he gets the Lions. This is great. We got to play James Conner. We're playing James Conner. The question is, who else are we playing? And I, I said on Roster Watch, I said on the Starter Stream Show, you're playing Josh Jacobs specifically. That was the starter sit question. Is it Josh Jacobs or James Conner? And then the, the reflex response is, oh, James Conner, Lions, James Conner, Lions. But no, you dig into the details. Hold on. Josh Jacobs is getting a 25 plus percent greater opportunity share than James Conner this week. So James Conner has to be so much more efficient with his touches. And Josh Jacobs is less game script dependent. So for a ton of reasons, the answer is Josh Jacobs, because these are similar players in a vacuum. Neither are very explosive. They're just quality all-around running backs that get by on guts and guile and grit and that role as the primary back. But they're not going to give you 170 rushing yards on 10 yards of carry like an Antonio Gibson can deliver or a Jonathan Taylor can deliver or a Nick Chubb can deliver. They don't have that ripcord. So they have to glide down a very specific path in order to pay off where the path is so much wider when you have the opportunity share working in your favor, when you have Chase Edmonds being added to the backfield, suddenly the opportunity share is working against you if you're James Conner. Now, in retrospect, seems obvious, right? And Nate Liss was pounding the table for day three pick. I'm on Ross St. Brown and Dynasty on the last Sonic Truth show. And I'm on Ross St. Brown is all they had left, right? That's all they have left in that passing game. I know Josh Reynolds paid off. I didn't see that coming because he's questionable with a thigh injury, but target conservation would tell you that multiple receivers have to be involved. Is it going to be Khalif Raymond? Is it going to be Josh Reynolds behind Amon Ross St. Brown? Don't know. The bottom line was you were playing Amon Ross St. Brown over a bunch of other wide receivers that you would think would be preferable, that have scored more fantasy points this year, that weren't day three picks, that weren't Lions. But when you think about what's going to happen, how is this game going to play out, St. Brown is going to eat. St. Brown's going to get 10 targets. He had actually got 11, right? And the beauty is he'll likely be relatively efficient because he stays close to the line of scrimmage. So he went eight for 90, but he did get the touchdown. Whereas Josh Reynolds works more downfield. And you're thinking, well, with this Cardinals pass rush, it's going to be harder to get the ball down the field. It all pointed to... Amon Ra St. Brown being a smash, and he was. Now, Craig Reynolds, that was a surprise, right? No one saw this coming with Craig Reynolds last week. And if you saw it coming with Craig Reynolds 100 yards against the Cardinals and what was likely negative game script, then congratulations. I mean, I, I didn't see it coming, but we have player profiler so that you can go and look up a Craig Reynolds and go, well, okay, he's not a superior athlete by any stretch. But when you scroll down and you go to his college stats, so on player profiler, next to the go-to 
search bar, there's a menu. You click the menu and you select college performance and you move down to his college performance at Kutztown State. That's where he went to school. Kutztown State, Pennsylvania kid. And at Kutztown State, he had more than 2,000 career rushing yards. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. He had an 18 touchdown season. Whoa, really good. He had a 59 reception season because he started as a receiver. He was a converted receiver. And then as a running back, he had a 40 catch season in his final year. He had 18 touchdowns and 40 catches. What are the indicators we love to look for when judging performances? On-field production. We look at targets and receptions, and we look at touchdowns. What is your passing game usage? What is your red zone usage? In college, it was incredibly high for Craig Reynolds. But now that was 2018. So he's had these lost seasons where he was just being kicked around the league. He finally lands in Detroit where they're essentially having open tryouts and he hits. He hits on an opportunity to play. He has great size adjusted agility at 212 pounds. He has an 1114 agility score, 79th percentile. So he's one of the most agile players at his size in the NFL with incredible receiving skills. This is why we were picking him up and playing him in deep leagues. I played him in a couple very deep leagues. And the beauty is I'm also in these best ball leagues where you can just pick guys up because they're going to start. It's all you just, you pick up Huntley, you pick up whoever you can pick up because in best ball, they might get the opportunities this week. Is it going to go to Jamar Jefferson? Is it going to go to Craig Reynolds? I wished it went to Jefferson. Jefferson was a more impressive prospect, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're Detroit and you just as soon establish the right culture and lose games, then you want to play Craig Reynolds. He's the culture play. It's not like you need to play the most explosive players. You don't. In fact, I'm sure upper management would just as soon they not, right? They're, they, they would just as soon they lose. They, they Play all Craig Reynolds. Send a message. Create a culture of meritocracy in the locker room. That if Craig Reynolds is going to show up and practice hard, and focus on the right details, and never be late to a meeting, then he's going to get to start. Like, this is a Rudy situation. Like, he is essentially the Rudy of running backs in the NFL. And it just makes sense. I'm sure that his teammates were happy for him. I'm sure the coaches were happy for him. I'm sure he was happy for him. Maybe, maybe what he showed at Kutztown was a window into his quality as an NFL player. There's nothing on his profile that says this guy stinks. There's nothing that says, oh, Craig Reynolds is a slug. Craig Reynolds is terrible. You just pick up Craig Reynolds and you play him. Now, I have to admit that I had a blind spot heading into week 15 that, sure, in these deep leagues, you're just picking up Craig Reynolds on principle, but I was rooting for the Lions to play who I considered the better player in Jamar Jefferson, and I saw no reason why they wouldn't play him in week 15. He was sick the week prior. He missed all the, the preparation heading into week 14. Okay, he's healthy. He's in the meeting rooms. He's in the facility. He's ready to go. It's going to be the Jamar Jefferson show. I hoped, but we didn't know. Like That was another thing we talked about on the start of the stream. We, we have no idea. what they're, When a team is out of contention and it's just about the culture, you have no idea who they're going to play. And, and that's also why 
I prefer best ball leagues because I love looking at the the scoreboard in these best ball leagues, not knowing when a player is going to move into a particular slot. These leagues where the, you have the live best ball scoreboard and then a player pops and he moves into your lineup and then you're, suddenly your score changes in real time. Watching players move in and out of your lineup in real time is super fun to watch with these seasonal best ball leagues that have weekly matchups or not, right? Or you can just see your score versus the league leader. And I just happen to be in a league where we're in second place and I was watching us versus the league leader and how it was shifting. And we currently have Greg Reynolds, Craig, Craig Reynolds. I called him Greg. Oh, Greg. I have succession on my mind. Oh, Greg growing a pair. Love it. Love, love Greg coming into his own in succession. Just, just deciding. Fuck it. Right? Yes, Greg. Fuck it. Yes, Craig. Fuck it. It's the Cardinals. Fuck it. We're 13 point underdogs at home. Fuck it. Right? I love Craig Reynolds. Fuck it. I love that. I love it. Just play the culture and fuck it. I'm becoming as much of a raging Lions fan as my daughter at this point. It's just great to see. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. Like on this, so funny in this team, I have Craig Reynolds and Brock Wright just because who knows? Who, who you, We don't know. <laughs> Brock Wright could have scored two touchdowns. You don't know. You don't know. We didn't know. Fuck it. <laughs> right? This is so cool. It is so cool. Small school player, undrafted, surfaces two years, three years later with an impressive college profile and resume. And seizes a starting job and just runs with it. Who doesn't love that story? You have to love that story. You can't be cursing Craig Reynolds. Love Craig Reynolds. Love that he made it in my lineup. This is so cool. It helps. Your team is always helped by having Travis Kelsey and, uh, or Kels. I think I nailed Kels for the entire Mind of Mansion show with Aaron Stewart. I think I hit the right pronunciation of Kels the entire show. I was impressed with myself. Top 10 takeaways. Whiffed on the first swing. So, whew, fun game. Who knew? Right, Christian Kirk didn't know. Do you start Christian Kirk? Do you start A.J. Green? Metrics were identical heading into the game. A.J. Green running more of the DeAndre Hopkins routes. Who would it be? We didn't know. We didn't know it was going to be comeback mode for the Cardinals. And there's Kirk in comeback mode. Sure, why not? Didn't know. That's the beauty of a best ball league. In that best ball league, I also have Kirk and A.J. Green. Didn't know. Didn't matter. We had the foresight to go do the research on Player Profiler to do the work of studying and knowing that Craig Reynolds was worth picking up. You should be rewarded for that. And the best ball format rewards you for that instead of making you second-guess yourself that, yes, you picked the guy up, but now you're self-loathing because you didn't know to start him. He outscored James Conner. Would I have played... Craig Reynolds over James Conner last week? Hell no. Of course not. No one advised that. No one would. You couldn't. Football. Bills Panthers. The takeaway is Gabriel Davis is probably good. I think he's good. I think this is another day three pick that Nate List needs to get behind. Nate List was as early as I've ever seen him getting behind. I'm on Ross St. Brown saying, I'm on Ross St. Brown's a buy high in Dynasty. So. Feel good about that. Nate wasn't as enthusiastic about Gabriel Davis. 
I am enthusiastic about Gabriel Davis because that wide receiver room is getting cleared out. No Emmanuel Sanders next year. And we'll see how Cole Beasley plays into his 30s. He can't keep it up for many more years. Diggs will keep it up for a few more years, but I think that in the next couple of years, you're going to look up and it's going to be Davis and Diggs, Diggs and Davis. It's exciting. And he has an interesting profile. It's like, oh, his best comparable player is Zach Pascal. Well, he also has other players that are in his comparables. If you go to data analysis on playerprofiler.com, you can actually click show me best comparables for wide receivers and see his top five comparables, not just Zach Pascal. The bottom line is he had a well above average dominator and a well above average speed score. The two things we look at first and foremost with wide receivers, dominator rating, breakout age, and speed score. His breakout age was 80th percentile. His dominator rating, 66th percentile. His speed score, 78th percentile. So well above average in the three best indicators for wide receivers. So why not? Why not? What was suppressing him and what suppressed him in the breakout finder for all the right reasons is why Nate Liss was reticent to tout him strongly and that the probability that any given day three pick breaks out in the NFL at the wide receiver position is vanishingly small. It is it's such a rare event that this happens that I understand anyone who traded Gabe Davis. I traded Gabriel Davis away this offseason. We talked about it. Scott Fish did that mega deal where I packaged Gabriel Davis with Joe Mixon and Logan Thomas and Jalen Rager and got back Tony Pollard and Deshaun Watson and a bunch of second, third round picks. That's a rebuilding team. I'm not hoping to be competitive until 2022. So, oh, have Travis Etienne on IR all season. Don't care. Whatever. No Deshaun Watson. Don't care. It's all about 2022. And I have to hope that's true with Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence has been absolutely atrocious. And if you started Marvin Jones because you thought, oh, this is the, the, this is the week to play Marvin Jones. Finally, it's a great matchup. You could play uh, Trevor Lawrence in DFS. I saw a lot of that. What? He's not playing well. He's not set up for success. Changing the coach doesn't change anything. The ship is sinking, right? Rearranging the chairs doesn't help the ship from sinking, okay? Whether the band is playing or not is not going to affect the ship fucking sinking, okay? James Robinson gave you the bare minimum for running back in that role. The bare minimum. Just lucky scored a touchdown. Wasn't giving you the receiving yards you were hoping for. That's... That's for damn sure. Didn't come close to 100 yards. That's for damn sure. Just a bad situation overall. And I have Trevor Lawrence in that that dynasty league, that rebuilding dynasty team. And woo, I'm a little nervous. I don't know, man. I'm still a lot more confident in him than I am Zach Wilson. And I don't know. Is this is this is this me wish casting? Let me know in the chat. Is this me wish casting, or is there something? some reason that I should be so much more hopeful for Trevor Lawrence than I am Zach Wilson. Because I think that Zach Wilson is a long shot to be a thing. 
I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is going to be a thing. When I think about Trevor Lawrence, I just compare him to Peyton Manning's rookie year. I'm like, oh, it's a Peyton Manning rookie year situation. Oh, this team has been crumbling around him since DJ Chark went down, or since they hired Urban Meyer even. Nah, he'll be fine. He was one of the best quarterback prospects at Clemson. He's going to be fine. He was the 101. He's going to be fine. Now it's Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson that are bottom of the league in deep passing, completion percentage, under pressure. It's so bad. It's so bad. And yet I believe that because Trevor Lawrence has been enduring it the the entire season. It's been this just consistent, underwhelming performance after underwhelming performance that he's just getting by and getting through it. It seems to me that he's going to come out on the other side and be fine. I don't have anything to back that up. It's just a feeling. But with Zach Wilson, I feel like he's being mentally broken in front of us. Like we're watching him be broken and It could be a Humpty Dumpty situation where it doesn't matter what you do. You just can't put those pieces back together again. It makes me think maybe Mike White is someone that you should have in Superflex and 2QB Dynasty leagues stashed in these deep leagues. I want Mike White. Mike White had a better game, one game, just one, but it was much better than any game Trevor Lawrence had all season. Trevor Lawrence has been getting away with Mike White-style duds. Like the game that Mike White had that wasn't the big, you know, surprisingly productive game. Zach Wilson's been doing the equivalent of that many times over this season and suffering no consequences from it because he was the number two overall pick. You're not going to bench him. You're not going to bench Trevor Lawrence. But it is interesting that Justin Herbert being so productive in his rookie year blew up so many best ball teams that were built around Trey Lance. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, thinking, well, this is just the new normal. This is the normal thing. This is what happens. Rookies break out at the quarterback position in the NFL. Turns out, no, not really. Turns out Justin Herbert's just a freak. So good. Man, we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be that too, but Justin Herbert happened to land on a team, fortunately, that was devastated by injuries the previous year. Pro bowlers up and down the roster. Really the the opposite situation that Trevor Lawrence landed in. So for those reasons, I still believe that Trevor Lawrence will be a great player. There's nothing in Zach Wilson's history that would suggest that he's going to be able to turn this around, though. Oh, brutal. Just, oh, God. Mm, 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 mm. Dalton Schultz again. Look at Dalton Schultz again. You just got to keep going back to guys like Dalton Schultz. You're the primary tight end in the Dallas Cowboys offense, lean into the volatility. We talk about that at wide receiver, like Van Jefferson, just keep playing Van Jefferson, embrace the volatility, got to keep doing that with Dalton Schultz, keep doing that with Dawson Knox, keep doing that tonight with Tyler Conklin. I'm playing Tyler Conklin, leaning into the volatility. Hey, there's probably no Adam Thielen. He's probably not playing. And with target conservation in play, Tyler Conklin is a tight end that you want to start. Emmanuel Sanders, not playing. That makes Dawson Knox more attractive. Amari Cooper, a long hauler, makes Dalton Schultz more attractive. There's Dawson Knox again. Didn't put up the big fantasy points, but he was second on the team in yardage in a game that they they didn't need to throw the ball to win. Still committed five targets. 
put up more yards than Diggs, and still looking, 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 looking for Terrace Marshall. Nowhere to be found. Kenny Galladay, three for 53. I mean, that was a good game for Kenny Galladay. And Devontae Booker outproducing Saquon Barkley in the yardage department. Why? How is this possible? We need to ask John. John Daigle is going to be on the Mind of Mansion show. That's going to be a question for John Daigle. How? Why? How? Why? I didn't watch the game. I have no idea how or why, but does, do you really need an answer to this? The answer is a 31-yard run. Had Saquon Barkley been given that particular carry, he would have probably had more than 31 yards. But that's just the random chance of when you get the carry in a particular situation. Is Devontae Booker a better running back than Saquon Barkley? No. Is this a small sample trap? Yes. What am I most happy about? Saquon Barkley, eight targets. There's two important takeaways from this game. Number one, Tony Pollard played and played well. My guess is that the plantar fascia fully tore and that his foot numbed up and that he was more efficient than Ezekiel Elliott is much more meaningful than Devontae Booker being more efficient than Saquon Barkley. What I care about with Saquon Barkley is those eight targets. That's it. Tony Pollard, once again, just being good at football. I just love seeing that. I want him freed. Free Tony Pollard. Hashtag free Tony Pollard. Brandon Cooks again. Seven for 102. Just, and it's, it's funny. When you put a statue quarterback back there, there are two players that win. There are two players that should be happiest when you insert the starting statue quarterback. That is the number one outside receiver, the primary receiver, in this case, Brandon Cooks in Houston, and pass-catching running backs because there are more pass attempts, and specifically with a rookie quarterback, they're going to lock in on their primary alpha receiver, and that's Brandon Cooks. I played some Nico Collins. That didn't work out. It's, it's difficult to overcome the rookie quarterback's fixation on their alpha receiver. It's, it's very difficult to overcome that. So if you have a rookie quarterback and you're playing an auxiliary option in that passing game, number two receiver, tight end, don't get your hopes up. But the players that enjoy the immobile quarterbacks are the primary option in the wide receiver room and the primary passing game option in the running back room. They're the ones that win because they get the checkdowns and there's just more overall pass volume. The takeaways for Jets-Dolphins was, listen to Josh Larkey, said play Devontae Parker, starter stream show. We said play Devontae Parker. We had a great starter stream show. Unbelievable. Fade James Conner, play Tyler Huntley, and play Devontae Parker almost anyone else. I said, if the question is, any receiver and Devontae Parker, you're playing Devontae Parker, and there it is. And Duke Johnson, right? Unbelievable. Duke Johnson. This is one of those things where I wish that I could go back in time, time travel back, and know that Jared Dokes wasn't going to play and that it would be somebody else, not Miles Gaskin. I would have said Duke Johnson, right? But no one had him. No one had D. Johnson, right? In fact, there are multiple D. Johnsons. We've talked about this many times. Just grab a Johnson, any Johnson. That was the, the, the running bit five years ago. Just give you, just get a Johnson in the draft. Whether it's Duke Johnson, David Johnson, get one of those guys in your rookie draft. Now here we are with a D Johnson, outscoring Deontay Johnson, shockingly, a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. He was a runner, right? We haven't seen him run like this since he was at Miami 
and now he's in Miami. He only runs well in Miami. If the game's not in Miami, Duke Johnson doesn't run well. If it's in Miami, he's the leading rusher. He's the career rushing yards leader in University of Miami history for a reason. He's a good runner when given opportunity. He did it again. I love him. I would do anything to go back in time and lay down a Duke Johnson isn't dead yet video on TikTok. Of all the time travel moments where I was just kicking myself. Please say alert. 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 Kicking myself that I didn't think three steps ahead, that I wasn't playing chess when everyone else was playing checkers. This was the moment. I was like, oh my God, I was a Duke Johnson truther last year. But then when he got cut from the Texans and he was a street free agent for 10 weeks, all these other guys getting signed, Devontae Freeman getting signed, Le'Veon Bell getting signed, all these running backs getting signed before Duke Johnson. I lost faith. I admit it. I'm ashamed. Just the insufferable victory lap. Had I touted him at all last week. But I didn't. Damn it. Good luck guessing who's going to get the targets for the Jets. Berrios or Crowder. <laughs> no decision point show this week because the Steelers won. And I got another text from my father-in-law. Let's read it. Sorry, I'm trying to scroll past the text where I was reminding my friend about the Huntley touchdowns that he was not getting in his lineup. Steelers are playing the most entertaining football in the NFL. Down 10 nothing at the half. They win 19-13 in the final seconds. Finish line emoji, football emoji, finish line emoji, football emoji. Damn it, Grandpa. You got me. So I was cheering against the Steelers. My daughter reminded me. She said, uh, Dad, don't cheer against the Steelers this week. And I said, uh, why? We, 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 we don't like the Steelers. Takes are at stake. And she said, we, we want the Titans to lose. It helps the Patriots. Have you looked at the standings, Dad? I just crumbled. I was just like, you're right. God damn it, you're right. You're holding me accountable. I mean, isn't this a good thing, everybody? Isn't this a good thing? You've been trying to hold me accountable in the chat for years, knowing I'm not going to pay attention, Right? There's no one to hold. I'm an untethered pod father in the studio saying whatever he wants, getting away with some some crazy takes, like drafting Jonathan Taylor over Clyde Edwards Hilaire in rookie drafts. Chris Godwin's better than Mike Evans. The crazy takes. And incidentally, Chris Godwin looked like he tore his ACL. Mike Evans is going to be week to week. Antonio Brown's going to come back. If you can somehow, you somehow qualified for Underdog's best ball tournament, Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD, get you a $100 instant deposit match for your sophomores and juniors tournament for 2022, as well as the pickums that we are collectively slaying. UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. You put in 100, you get an extra 100 to play pickums in 2022 best ball tournaments. We make players prove they're healthy. We don't just assume that, oh, Player X is going to throw the crutches away and get on the field and be the wide receiver one next week. I hope that happens. As someone who has more Antonio Brown than any other Buccaneer in fantasy football right now, especially for my underdog tournament rosters, I certainly want Antonio Brown to be healthy as soon as next week.
and help the teams that have made it through, that have qualified for the final rounds of these underdog tournaments to have a competitive advantage in that very few will have any Antonio Brown and he will be the target hog if active. But Tyler Johnson will also be targeted as either the number one or number two receiver. And though Scott Miller has been inactive, I expect Scott Miller to be the number three over Jalen Darden, who has been active as a special teams ace first and foremost. So I can envision a situation where I'm playing both Tyler Johnson and Scott Miller in the Scott Fishbowl, a deep seasonal league, next week. Where the hell was I? Oh yeah, my shame and accountability. I'm now getting held accountable at home. If I'm uninformed, I'm being held accountable. This is a beautiful thing. This is reason to celebrate. I was ashamed. I was like, you're absolutely right. We wanted the Titans to lose. I was too caught up in my takes, in my decision point show with Anand Nanduri. God damn it. I want to be a sports fan again. Do you see how this show, this enterprise, fucking takes can spoil a person's fandom where I now want the Steelers to lose because of something I said in the decision point show and I'm losing perspective on what my favorite team needs to get a buy. See how shameful that is? So glad that I'm being held accountable. It's such a good thing. I'm embarrassed. It's, embar- it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to have your fandom held accountable by your 10-year-old on multiple occasions this weekend. It's just takes. <laughs> like, take loyalty. That's the problem. That's the great pollutant in the air is that I enjoy takes coming to fruition over almost anything else. And it's crazy and shameful. And I'm probably not going to (laughs) change. I was like, fuck the Steelers. I want to be right. Ben stinks. 49ers won again, eight and six. Falcons lost as we knew they would. As the schedule only gets harder, Atlanta. (laughs) Right? You got to play Tampa again. It's only going to get harder. And we played Russell Gage. Oh, my God. Start a stream show. We said it starts with Devontae Parker and Russell Gage. Those receivers in this range of the upside finder and the DFS dominator package. These are the players to play. You give me anyone in Russell Gage, the answer is Gage. You give me anyone in Devontae Parker, the answer is Devontae Parker. Russell Gage is the primary receiver there. And he was skying for footballs. He got, he got upended. It was terrifying. He walked away uninjured it was a thank god right and and oh we can't play jeff wilson because of debo samuel right no you want to play the primary back for the 49ers against the falcons it doesn't have to be complicated that was another thing we talked about i can't imagine kyle shanahan running debo like he did the previous week they, they must look at the, the the film and realize their play calling got away from them and they put debo at too much risk and it's going to be the jeff wilson show And then sure enough, Debo Samuel ran the ball fewer times, and it was the Jeff Wilson show taking advantage of a home game with positive game script. And Jeff Wilson was the hero for DFS players last year, right? DFS hero Jeff Wilson at this time last year, he was heroic. And now you're going to ignore him in a home game against the Falcons. Why? Because Debo got a bunch of extra carries randomly. (laughs) Just what? Oh, great irony. You had uh, 
Kyle Pitts losing a touchdown, clanked off his hands. And I'm like, why did he try to catch it like that? That doesn't make sense. Like, oh, he lost it in the sun. He lost it in the sun. And I just thought it was funny that his teammate had the worst sun-related drop in the history of the NFL. Like, I just, I could just imagine Kyle Pitts going to the sideline going, oh, man, that sucked. I had a touchdown. I lost it in the sun. And then Cordero Patterson coming up, putting his arm around and going, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, you have no idea. <laughs> I was open. There wasn't a player within 20 yards of me eight years ago in Minnesota. I had a walk-in touchdown and just clanked off my face mask. Had no idea the ball was even there. It's amazing, the sun. It's beaming all these ultraviolet rays at you. And if you look at it, you, you go blind. And if the sun happens to be positioned where the ball is, it's an amazing thing where, duh, of course you can't see it. Like, that's totally understandable to me. Like, oh, this guy stinks. He lost it in the sun. What do you mean? What do you mean? The sun's undefeated, man. The sun's eventually going to defeat the earth. You know that, right? It's called the red giant phase for a celestial body that once the sun goes red giant, it's over. We become subsumed by the sun. The sun's going to be undefeated in this solar system. And it defeated Kyle Pitts. <laughs> hey, I don't know. And that coming after uh, talking to Aaron Stewart and lamenting the fall of Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts going from number one fantasy tight end in Dynasty to outside the Dynasty top three. Like, that's happening. Get ready for it. It's going to happen this week. Mark Andrews is going to supplant Kyle Pitts. And it's not our Dynasty algorithm, necessarily, that would tell you this, which it will. I already know how it's going to play out. But if it were me and I was drafting a tight end in a startup, I would go Kyle Pitts. I would go George Kittle. And depending on my strategy, I may or may not go Travis Kels. Travis Kels has at least three super productive years left. We know this because we've seen Antonio Gates do it, and we've seen Tony Gonzalez do it, and those players are production comps, career trajectory comps for Travis Kels. Bummer about Bengals-Broncos. Just a bummer. Just a bummer. We, we, we wanted the Burrow-Chase stacks to hit. They didn't hit. It was Tyler Boyd. Right? One of these receivers hit, but it was Tyler Boyd. And Akui Boonham, again, this is, this is, this is, this is tough. Akui Boonham, one more yard than Noah Fant on fewer targets. It's almost like he and Noah Fant are doppelgangers. They're the same dude. They are the same guy. The only thing that distinguishes them is draft capital. Same size, same athletic profiles, similar college production. Just one guy was disrespected by the NFL scouting industrial complex, and the other guy wasn't. That's the difference. That's it. And Jerry Judy, no yards on four targets. Cortland Sutton, uh, 12 yards on seven targets. And I saw one of these targets, and it was just horrendously underthrown behind him. And he's contorting his body, trying to get his hands on it from Drew Locke. You feel bad for these guys. You feel bad for Jerry Judy coming off a high ankle sprain. Sutton and Judy are dynasty buys and will continue to be dynasty buys. And Akui Boonham is a buy-high candidate. Oh, yes. Okay, so they don't retain him. Big deal. So he goes somewhere else and is awesome. How many tight ends do you know didn't break out until their second team? Greg Olson, right? He didn't break out 
on the Bears. He broke out on the Panthers. Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett. Did he break out as a Cowboy sharing a field with Jason Witten? No. He broke out with the Giants when he had the number one tight end chair to himself. Do you wish you had picked up Greg Olson after his second year in Chicago in Dynasty? Yes. Do you wish you had picked up Martellus Bennett after his second year in Dallas and stashed him in Dynasty? Yes. No one that has a Kuwe Boonham is going to tell you, oh, he's untouchable, right? Because of Noah Fant, he's available. Now, I had a Kuwe Boonham in that league where uh, I did the trade with Scott Fish, and I have to admit that had Scott Fish asked for a Kuwe Boonham over, say, a Logan Thomas or even an addition to, I would have accepted it. I would have said, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to wait three years. But the thing is, now... The season's almost over. Now you'll have to wait two years. And that's assuming health of Noah Fant. And the odds that any given tight end is healthy for 34 consecutive games is very low. Very low. That's the same case we make for going out and acquiring A.J. Dillon, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert. Same case. A coup, way, boom. Aaron Rodgers is a magician. Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers had this... this, this tiny window to fit it into Devontae Adams on a slant and go, a sluggo. And he missed him too high. And he, he did it falling back. Like his, his technique is absolutely horrible. Like you would not teach that to anyone. And he just went like this. I had it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, kinda. I mean, that would have been an amazing teardrop pass, you know, between two defenders. Cause Devontae Adams is always bracketed. Yes. He created some space with an incredible sell on the slant. Yes, granted. But it wasn't like he was wide open, Aaron. But that's the thing. Like, that's the level he's at. Where when he misses that, it's just, he he's so disappointed. And it's going to be interesting to see Andrews versus Kittle in the dynasty rankings. See, that's suspenseful to me. I don't know how it's going to shake out. Based on where Kittle is in the algorithm, I think that Kittle will retain his number one position because he was still productive this week. But man, Tyler Huntley loves him some Mark Andrews. And I want Tyler Huntley to go somewhere else. Like, we need Tyler Huntley as a starter somewhere for fantasy football. It would be amazing. He's just such an incredible competitor. And similar to Craig Reynolds, it's why Player Profiler exists. So you can scroll down and you can look at the college performance at Utah and go, this guy was a 3,000-yard passer. And not only that, it was efficient, 10.3 yards per attempt. And he took care of the football, right? He had 19 to four touchdown to interception ratio with a 500 yard rushing season on his resume. He's a good player, right? He's a good player. He's just too small to get drafted unless he was award-winning quarterback. If you're Baker Mayfield, if you're Russell Wilson, you'll get drafted. Sure, right? 6'1", 205, not crazy productive, just hyper-efficient. Not crazy athletic, but runs a sub-4640 at the quarterback position. So he just missed these thresholds where he would definitely have been drafted. And, and that's a great thing you can exploit, these players that just barely miss thresholds in the NFL draft. And that's why I want so badly to run a team with Anand, because we would draft Tyler Hunt. This is the player we talk about. In the second round, you're rushing to get Jalen Hurts. Perfect player to draft in the second round and that Tyler Huntley would fall out of the draft altogether. 
run this exercise yourself. You can do this. Go back to the NFL draft. Just look at all the quarterbacks drafted in day three and just ask yourself, why? Why, 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 why? Chris Ballard, you drafted Eason. There's no way a quarterback with that touchdown-interception ratio is going to fire in the NFL. I mean, I can't say there's no way because we've seen what Josh Allen did with embarrassing efficiency and inability to take care of the football in college, but because he had the strongest arm in the history of NFL quarterback prospects and the 100th percentile physical specimen of all time at the position, it was worth it to take a chance on that upside. But that that wasn't Jacob Eason. Like if, if you're not greatest size, speed, arm, talent specimen of all time, and you're throw, you're turning the ball over more than you're completing touchdowns, definitely not going to happen. And it, so if you're a pocket passer, that's not like Dak Prescott was also super mobile at Mississippi State, right? He was. Was he good enough as a thrower? Yeah, sure, absolutely. He was efficient. He took care of the football, and he was mobile. It's a no-brainer to pick the guy that has the mobility with the efficiency, even if he's not putting up the big counting stats, or even if he doesn't have the big arm. That's the guy to pick. That's the, that's the lesson. The lesson from Jalen Hurts to Dak Prescott to Tyler Huntley to Gardner Minshew even is that you want quarterbacks that show efficiency and playmaking ability, especially with their legs at the college level. That was Minshew, that was Hertz, that was Huntley, and that certainly was Dak Prescott because we're seeing it again that the backup quarterback position is incredibly valuable in the NFL. This is something we've talked about on the Decision Point show with Anand multiple times, that we would invest, we would be the team, if we were running a franchise, we would be the team that's going out and outbidding everyone else on Marcus Mariota. Because he checks those boxes too. Incredibly happy for Tyler Huntley. And he, this, these two back-to-back performances from Tyler Huntley should win the Baltimore Ravens front office of the year. Top 10 takeaways, you know, we added it up last week. There were actually 37 takeaways. <laughs> like, when we first started the show, we had a legitimate rundown of 10 takeaways, and the show was, you know, 15, 20 minutes long. And now, oh, we lost our uh, we lost our takeaways thing. What happened? We lost the, uh, what just happened? Something just happened to our takeaways. The graphic. Oh, no. Let's bring it back. Oh, no. The graphic is broken. It disappeared. This happens to me sometimes. Where I hit a button or something and the whole graphic disappears. Now it's back. Jeez. What a what a terrible start to the show. I don't know how this happens. I gotta find a way to lock it in or something. Who knows? Whatever. 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 We started doing a show that was 15, 20 minutes, but I can't do that. 
I think what's happened is, this is my theory, theory of the case is this, that as I have been striving to get my TikTok takes down to 30 seconds, that I have to make up for it so, because it's so painful for me. I want to talk about a player for at least two minutes. To get a takedown to 30 seconds, I have to trim so much fat, distill it down so much that it's just such a strong pill to swallow for 30 seconds. And I know they perform better at 30 seconds. That's what people want. They want 30-second take. What do you think of this guy? Good or bad? Starter sit. We're done. I get it. Tell me the answer. Okay. We'll tell you. Okay. We're done. 30 seconds. Done. Here, here you go. Like I can do it. I can do it. It is a talent I have, but I don't like doing it. I like to just talk and talk and talk. So the, the, the shorter my takes get on TikTok, the longer this show gets. Because I need some kind of outlet to, to tell you everything I think about these games on Sunday. Now, we're in a weird zone with week 15 coming out of this weekend where normally I have it dialed in. Either I have completely missed all the games and have no idea what happened. And we open the box scores for the first time, and it, and it's a great show device. Uh, one of the great premises this season that we discovered, the unlock, was, oh, the Podfather has no idea. Find out along with him or, or watch him reveal the outcome of these games to himself, right? So that was fun. And yet the problem is with the fantasy playoffs starting, now there's stakes, right? Now I'm actually in the Scott Fishbowl playoffs. I wasn't just... Assuming I would make the playoffs like I was before, not caring. A lot of these leagues not caring, just assuming I'd make the playoffs. A lot of them best ball. But with our patron leagues, patreon.com forward slash podfather, where you can get gear, get a shirt, get a hat, Roto Underworld style. My nephews, it's like their favorite thing to wear is Roto Underworld gear. You can get some gear. You can communicate with me. We have chat. We have Discord. Uh, it's a, it's a, a big thing that we do helping people help their fantasy teams. Even if I can't personally help your fantasy team, someone will help your fantasy team on Discord. And we have these fantasy leagues, right? We have these patron leagues. And the patron, all the new patron leagues we're launching, the only way that I can do it with the limited bandwidth that I have is if they're best ball. But I did concede to making the playoffs more standardized fantasy leagues where you set your lineup. So now I have to set my lineup. I can't go a whole weekend without any idea what's happening with NFL. It's not about, I can't do it. I can't do it. The problem was in those weekends where I am committing to knowing what's happening while it's happening, I can sit down and my daughter and I, we can watch the Red Zone channel for like hours, right? We can sink right into it. I can have all these observations. Oh, did you see that Miles Garrett stripped sack, picked up the fumble, returned it for a touchdown, that was almost as impressive as Randy Gregory tipping it to himself, right? I didn't I, I didn't get to watch the Red Zone channel. We had too much going on. We were wrapping presents. I was at the mall. I was on the Roster Watch show arguing with Alex and the trash man. It just didn't didn't work out that I could watch the games at all. But I did pay attention to the box scores. It was really the worst case scenario for this show where we don't have the me- learning for the first time the outcome, but I'm also not coming to this show with observations from actually watching the games. So it really is, it's, it's, it's not going to be, I'm setting expectations 
lower than usual. I might have to do the thing that I would never do, that I promised you I would never do, that I swore I would never do, that you can't imagine me doing. I might do the thing. I might actually go to the chat and take questions from the chat if I find that I'm just losing steam and I don't have enough to say. But I probably will. And I have to say that the Starter Stream show that we did on Sunday was the best Starter Stream show of the year. I finally let go of my grudge against the audience having to answer their banal start-sit questions. I finally just let it go. I don't know what happened. I just finally said, you know what? Let's do this, everybody. We're in this together. Let's row together. This is a very difficult week to project where we don't know if Austin Hooper is going to play or not. Will he get cleared in time? We don't know. Stay tuned. Right? I said, we're in this together. So let's just fight it out together. Let's figure this out together. Get our fantasy teams dialed in together. And then sure enough, we had a great show. And the two primary takeaways from that show, the two primary pieces of advice from that show were fade James Conner and play Tyler Huntley. Ah! Right? We did it. It's going to be a good show. I conducted a multi-minute thought experiment. God damn it. The sun's eventually going to defeat the earth. You know that, right? It's called the red giant phase. The sun's going to be undefeated in this solar system. And it defeated Kyle Pitts. <laughs> The sun's going to be undefeated in this solar system. It's called the red giant phase.